Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Uh, praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. I just want to let you all know uh, that three people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior this morning. Amen. Made a commitment to him, and so, man, uh, their future is bright in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're so thankful about that. I just want to remind you uh, to be praying, to be asking, and, and uh, just seeking God as to what he would have you to do. Again, Skylark uh, School is remodeling here in Newcastle. They have leased the old schoolhouse down there, and so they're really hustling and preparing to get the building all ready for their school year. Also, the remodel uh, costs money. It's about $200,000, I guess. I don't know exactly what's come in. You can talk to... to Two fifty, yeah. Prices are going up like crazy. You know that. So, I mean, not just this. Two seventy-five, three hundred. Do I hear three fifty? All right, we're not actually taking bids for that right now, but uh, with those things going up, and so uh, some of you have already jumped on board to help and 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 give some uh, things. But uh, pray about that. See what God would have you to do. I believe together, uh, not just this body, but the the body of Christ surrounding them. Uh, they'll get it paid for, and. Uh, get taken care of, and it'll uh, help our community go forward. And so we have other Christian schools, and we love them, support them. As I said this morning, we have teachers in the public school all over. Uh, this particular need came, and we felt like uh, we could be a part of that. Um, and so the time that we live in, we don't want to let uh, Christian education uh, you know, just go by the wayside just because there's not enough finances or a place to meet. And so they found a place to meet. We want to help them uh, get on their way. Amen. Praise the Lord. So um, don't forget, it's only three weeks away, Living Faith's Crusade. What? See, you're not, you should know right away what I'm talking about. <laughs> We're one. You should have that. Living Faith's Crusade, just three weeks from tonight, uh, uh, the Hagans will be here with the Ramah Singers and Band, so mark your calendar. It'll be Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, and uh uh, we're going to have a great time with them, so invite people to come, and uh, you can wait till last night to invite them and go, oh, they were too busy, or you can start calling people and tell them, you know what, in three weeks, we're going to have this great meeting, and uh, can you mark your calendar and come and let people know that that's there. We'll have a great time together. Praise the Lord. If you weren't here this morning or weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, or if you're watching and weren't able to bring your tithes and offerings, uh, we want to give you that opportunity to give right now. There's a number of ways to give. They're up there, as Zane says, for every generation. I like that. Uh, so you can mail it in if you're of my generation and uh, you're watching, or you can text it, or you can go online, or if you're here, right here tonight, even by uh, uh, cash or debit or credit card, uh, raise your hand. The ushers will make sure that you get an envelope. We're so thankful for your giving and uh, all that goes out of this place to minister to others would not be possible without your generosity. And so we're so thankful for that. Praise the Lord. Are we ready? Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give, to enter into that covenant relationship with you, to declare from our hearts that everything that we have belongs to you. And in that expression, we understand that in that covenant, all that you have belongs to us, that we are in that covenant relationship with you. And so by that declaration, you said if we would do that, the windows of heaven would be open to us, that you would cause blessing to come to us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. 
when men bring into our bosom. We thank you for that abundant blessing. We thank you that you supply every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can pass those buckets. Open your Bibles to Luke, the fifth chapter. Luke, the fifth chapter. We are uh, on Sunday evenings. We have begun to talk about healing. And uh, I believe that healing is such a, a vital aspect of redemption that has come to us. We were talking this morning and have been talking about uh, salvation in its full and how God, even from the Old Testament, Jesus is a fulfillment of those things that he really began to cover every area of life. And he would move in an area of their life and they would really set up a place there and then they would declare because of what God just did, he is the Lord that heals us or he is the Lord that is right here or he is the Lord our banner. And so as he moved in their life and they recognized that, they would just say, well, he's got this area of our life covered. He is the Lord of this area of our life. And so Jesus has that name that is above every name, right? And so when we uh, understand salvation, we just know that all those things that they recognize that God was to cover their whole life, that Jesus is and has taken care of in redemption, his death, burial, and resurrection. And so healing is one of those that uh, in so many ways, people have said, well, that was for a time. Uh, it's maybe not for now. It's kind of a healing must be an eeny, meeny, miny, mo to God. And so I don't know if anybody who's younger knows that. I don't know what, you know, right. But when we were little, you know, you chose somebody by eeny, meeny, miny, mo. And I don't know how the rest of it goes. There's many different translations, but we'll stop right there. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of a random count that you get picked for something uh, in that. And God's not doing a random pick. He's not like eeny, meeny, miny, mo, you get healing, and eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and you get healing, and eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and you get healing. But we think it's kind of that way, but it's not. What Jesus did for one person, he did for everybody. That's why testimony is so important. And when you give a testimony, not to talk about everything that the devil was doing, you know. Old-time testimonies took 20 minutes of a testimony. That's why when you say, here's a testimony, hang on to the microphone. But, you know, somebody go, I got a great testimony. And 20 minutes of their testimony was how much the devil had done to take them into a pit. And then a couple minutes was, and Jesus saved me. And so we get this idea, man, the devil gets 20 minutes and Jesus gets three, but really Jesus gets 30 minutes and the devil should just get a snippet. What he tried to do, he couldn't do because Jesus redeemed my life. But when you give a testimony of what Jesus did for you, it tells somebody else if he would do it for you, he'll do it for me because he's not a respecter of persons. And so anytime that somebody starts to give a testimony, don't turn off and go, okay, well, this is a good time to run to the bathroom. It's not a good time. Because when somebody's giving a testimony of how God healed their body or delivered them from some bondage or caused them to be restored in some area, and you need restoration or healing or deliverance, you want to perk up and know how their testimony goes. Because if God would do it for them, he'll do it for you. And so healing, Jesus isn't randomly trying to pick out people who are better or not better, but what he did on the cross. 
And what God did when he raised him from the dead, the power, uh, Jesus, or Paul says this to the Ephesian church, he prayed this prayer, that, that that power that raised Jesus from the dead was released towards us who believe. Right? So when Jesus raised from the dead, power, resurrection power, life, giving in all of its ways, was released towards anyone who would believe. See, we're looking out there, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did something. I released miracle-working power. I released power to change things in your life in any way, any form, or any fashion. The problem is not the release of power. The situation is how do I connect with that power through believing. And so healing is one of those things that we kind of move through, but God really said it's really an important, very important part of the gospel, and it's incredibly important to me. And so if you read through the scriptures, you know, the gospels especially, and just, you know, take a journey through the gospels just for this reason. See how many times Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. We'll touch one of these areas possibly tonight, one of these healings. But why does it always say, it seems like every time you read about a healing, you know, you're, you're reading it says, and, it was, and on the Sabbath day, Jesus was doing such and such, and then somebody came across and he healed. And many of the times, it irritated the religious people of the day that Jesus was healing on the Sabbath. And why it bothered them so much is because even then they saw healing as the work, the work, the labor of the doctor or the physician. So you just have to understand under Jewish law, the doctor or the physician could not work on the Sabbath day. You could only do things that were holy on the Sabbath day. Everybody say holy. So you could only do things that were holy on the Sabbath day. So what was Jesus doing? Jesus was making a point that the healing of the physical body is holy to God. It's holy to God. See, we can look every day and begin to take for granted our physical health. We don't give attention to our physical health until all of a sudden something happens. But God has something in mind, not just our healing, but our health. We talk about it, God, you know, we, we just roll through life, and then when we need it, we're looking to healing. But God says, I want you healthy and whole. So if something attacks our body, there's healing power. But there also is the life of God that is teeming on the inside of us to keep us healthy. And so as we talk about healing, we're not just talking about what you might be infirmed with right now. That's important, and we want to see you healed of that and, and faith to arise in our midst that the power of God that's present would come and heal that. But not only heal your infirmity or your, your, your pain or your discomfort today, but also bring a cure so that it never bothers you again. Anybody in for that? Praise the Lord. And if you're like, well, I wish we'd get on to something else that's more exciting because I'm not sick in my body. Well, this is pretty exciting because once you realize it, uh, uh, the exciting part is even if you're healthy in your body and you understand this, the Bible says that these signs will follow them that believe. 
So if you're not sick in your body, you don't need to concentrate on this. You get to go to somebody that is and says, I could pray with you, and Jesus wants to bring healing to your body. But see, just again, that, that faith for your own self to receive healing is one area, but to also develop faith that you can transmit healing to someone else is another area of what God designed for us to walk in. So Luke, the fifth chapter, this is our foundational text, so we can uh, observe a few things from this. It says in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were, which were come down, which were come, excuse me, out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Underline that, highlight that. If you haven't already, it's important. The power of the Lord is present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man, which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus." I'm going to change this translation because it's the King James, and it might not be throwing you off, but it is throwing me off. Just a few different words, but I know uh, the New King James better. It says, and when they could not find out how to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him with, uh, down with the bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. The second thing that you need to highlight or underline is because of the crowd. So we understand the power of God was present to heal everybody. But this man who people had brought to him uh, could not get in because of the crowd. Sometimes your issue is the crowd. The power is present, but you have a crowd. Praise the Lord. Your crowd might not be filling the room of a room, a physical room, but you got a crowd filling your brain. You got a crowd filling your emotions. You got reasons everywhere why it's not going to happen for you. Verse 20, and when he saw their faith, that's the third thing, when he saw their faith, your faith can be seen. He said to the man, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this? who speaks blasphemies. Who can forgive sin but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and walk, and immediately the man was healed. I like that. The crowd might dissuade some, but not Jesus. They tried to say, well, you can't do that. And uh, Jesus said, well, whether I do it this way or that way, I can do that. Why? Because the power of God was present to heal them. And so we want to always consider these things, that the power of God is present. The power of God is present. We talked about that this morning. Right? He is Jehovah Shammah. He is the Lord who is there. He is the Lord who is present. 
Listen, the Spirit of God dwells in you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, the Bible says, and he quickens or makes alive your mortal body. So the power of God is present. When we come together where two or, uh, two or more are gathered together in his name, he's right there in the midst of them. If he's the healer, the power of God is present to heal. Right? But none of them got healed except for that one. And that one almost didn't get healed. Why? Because of the crowd. We have all kinds of reasons that crowd our mind, crowd our thinking, crowd our emotions, crowd everything that would say, you're not going to get in. There's just too many things that are going on. But they found a way to get in. And when they found a way to get their friend before Jesus, before Jesus, not before somebody else, not to get some other prayer request going, but before Jesus. How do I understand that I'm coming right before Jesus? I get to that place where I know I'm right here, and Jesus is right here with me, and so the power is right here. The key connection is how do I tap into that which is already here, right? So if you have a phone that's not charged, which don't go get up and go charge your phone. I'm just using this for an example, but if you're here... <laughs> and your, your, your phone is, is running down. Listen, there's power present in these walls right here to charge your phone. But you can sit here until your phone goes dead unless you go plug into the wall and plug into your phone. You have to make that connection. You could take your plug and plug it into the wall and walk away and say, why is my phone still running out of power? I plugged the charger into the phone. But you can plug the, the charger into the wall, but not plug it into the phone. There are connections that have to be made. It's not just some kind of magic formula. There's connections that have to be made. So F.F. F. Bosworth said this in his book, Christ the Healer. He said, the power of God can be claimed only where the will of God is known. The power of God can be claimed only where the will of God is known. So we see from this scripture that the power of God was present to heal them. But they weren't claiming the power of God. Why? Because they weren't really sure what the will of God was. They had a lot of religion. They had a lot of thinking. But they weren't sure exactly what the will of God was. And so for us to really begin to walk in and begin to understand the healing power of God, we want to determine what the will of God is. So turn over to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26 He said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commands and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am. I'm not going to be. I, not will be, I won't, will be someday. I am the Lord that heals you. Now, Jesus all encompasses that as we've talked about he is Jehovah Rapha. He's the fulfillment of that. He is Jehovah in all of its ways. He's the Lord of all. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. Even so, every aspect of Jehovah God, the Lord our God, the Lord who heals, the Lord who provides, Jesus is the Lord of all lords. So he is the Lord of the healing, the Lord of the provision, the Lord of all that. 
Whatever you have need of, he's the Lord of. So if you're not in need of healing, but you're in need of deliverance, of worry and stress or substance abuse or whatever, the same principles apply that you call upon him for Lord, and the power is present to deliver you, to heal you, to provide for you. We tap into it the same way. We're just bringing this concerning healing. Turn over to Exodus chapter 23. Say, why are we in the Old Testament? Because God expressed his will right off the bat. There was no sickness or disease until sin entered into the earth. And after sin entered into the earth, God is addressing and he's saying, here's what sin did. The Egyptians were a type of sin. Egypt was a type of sin in types and shadows. And so these things, the sickness and disease that came upon the Egyptians or those under sin, he said, listen, but I am the Lord that heals you. So he's making a distinction of healing and his will for his people. He said, listen, I'm going to tell you what I think about this, that I will be the Lord that heals you. I'm not for sickness and disease. I'm for health and healing for my people. And so Exodus chapter 23, in verse 25, he says, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and water And he says, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. See, God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your food, and I'm going to take sickness from the midst of you. In the 91st Psalm, he says, if we dwell together, if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God. It's in him that I will trust. One of the aspects of that is he said, no sickness or plague will come near your dwelling place, and with long life I will satisfy you. God's plan is really not that we die before our time, but that we fulfill our calling. We fulfill what God has for us here, not hindered and not yoked by sickness and disease. And so we begin to figure out and and search out what the will of God is and how we find out the will of God. So if I was to come in, uh, you know, tonight and just bring in, have have ushers bring in suitcases and put them all right here before we open all the suitcases and they were just full of cash. And so I just told you, look at this. I have come across a million dollars. And let's just say there's a thousand people in the room here and I say, There's a million dollars, and because of this million dollars, and there's a thousand of you here, I would be able, able by this million dollars to give each one of you a thousand dollars. That does not give you a basis for faith. My ability doesn't give you a basis for faith. Or I could say, see this million dollars? My desire is to give 50 of the 1,000 of you $1,000. And when it's random like that, it doesn't really give you a basis for faith. In fact, if we went around and interviewed people and said, what do you think about that? They would probably say, I could use $1,000, and I sure hope that I can be one of the 50 But see, when we see out there that God's healing some, and we think, I'm going to have faith in that, you can't have hope. You need healing, but you just 
hope. I'm one of the random ones that might be good enough for God to heal me. It's not a true basis of faith to tap into the power of God. And if we know that God is able, I know God can, I know he's able, but that still doesn't give you a basis to go, got it. But I said, the reason I brought these suitcases and I brought a million dollars tonight is because it is my desire and my will to give each one of you $1,000. Then we interviewed you, and you would say, I am so glad I came tonight. I'll take my money. Thank you. Right? Because I've just expressed not just my ability, but my willingness to give it to you. Well, it's getting quiet in here. You could probably drop a pin. Come on, Jesus expressed his willingness. God expressed his willingness to us to bring healing into our body. But we have to know the will of God. You have to understand this, that Isaiah said this in in the fifth chapter of Isaiah. He said, my people will go into captivity. Other places said, my people, they perish for a lack of knowledge. So often we're hoping and we're thinking and we're guessing this should be the will of God. But God wants us to know what his will is and be confident unequivocally. I know what God's will is for my life. As we said today that in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he expresses, Peter expresses to them that God has provided everything for us that pertains to life and godliness. Everything's already been provided. And he says we access that or it comes to us through the knowledge of him. And so this statement that really he puts out there that the power of God can only be claimed where the will of God is known. You may hope so, think so, maybe so, go, I hope I I get in the running for, for healing right now. But he says, once you decide to know God and to get a knowledge of his will, something happens on the inside of us that says, ha ha, I know you're willing. I'll take my check, thank you. I'll take my healing, thank you. But understand this, I, you can hear me say that and say, that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to say, I'm going to take my check, thank you. But your knowledge of him doesn't simply come simply because I said, you can say, thank you, I'll take my check, please. Something starts to sink down on the inside of you. Faith, that believing, is the word of God going down into your spirit, man. And the revelation that this is what God has done for you and said to you that stirs something that says, I'll take it right now. Thank you very much. And it's not something that anybody else can really do for you. And it's not something, as we've already talked about and introduced, it's not something for you to worry about what somebody else is thinking, where somebody else is, what somebody else has said, what they're going to think of you. Just put all that aside. That's the crowd. The crowd. Listen, if you need healing in your body, quit worrying about what somebody else is thinking. Quit wondering if they think you have enough faith or you don't have enough faith, how you're going somewhere or not going somewhere, whether you're taking medicine right now or you're not taking medicine right now. Just get the crowd of all that stuff out and just say, God, I want to know you personally, and I want to know that you are packing some healing and that you're ready to distribute it to me as as soon as I say thank you. I'll take my healing, please right, with all of my heart, because we see that throughout 
the scripture. We see that place. So he says that you will perish or you can come under captivity or come into bondage because of a lack of knowledge. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do is he wants to yoke you to an experience or a thought. He wants to yoke you to something that didn't work in the past or something that you tried, but it didn't seem to work because faith is not something that you try. Faith is something that you live by. Sometimes people say, I tried that faith thing and it didn't work. Well, that's why it didn't work. You don't try faith. You live by faith and watch the outcome of believing God. Because to say, I believe God for 24 hours and it didn't work is not believing God. No matter what. And so we begin to establish and we begin to develop this. Why? Because we begin to recognize when the power is present and we tap into the power, so many great things happen. The electrical power that is flowing through the walls of this building and the ceiling of this building makes so many awesome things possible. You know, if we wouldn't have put power within the the walls of this building and we had to come in by candlelight, just think how fun it would be. I mean, it would be nice. Maybe we'll just do it sometime, knock the power off, bring all acoustical instruments Begin to sing, you know, uh, all acoustically with no sound system, no lighting, no graphics. All that stuff has just made things so much more available, so much more wonderful. Help us to receive things in so many different ways. Why? Because it's flowing through there. But we wouldn't have the cameras. We wouldn't have the sound. We wouldn't have the lights. We wouldn't have any of that except for something tapped into that power. And there are times, you know, when we say this, and again, don't, I don't want anybody to take this wrong. I'm hoping that in, in our introduction the last two weeks, everybody knows, and they're not going, well, I guess I just don't have any power cords. But sometimes we have to look and say, wow, we need a power cord. But I haven't seen our staff or our crew all of a sudden just sit down and go, well, guess we just don't have any power. What are we going to do? Man, they go, somebody better go to Lowe's. <laughs> somebody better go find a power cord if we're going to do what we do. Come on, listen. It's, it's not a superficial thing, but when you look at that and somebody's like, and you realize, you know what? The power of God's present. I need to plug into it. We're not quite there yet. We don't just go, well, I guess I just don't. No, we, we put off every, what everybody else is saying And we say, God, what is it that I need to make this connection? Because God knows where you are. He knows where you've been. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what other people have said to you. He knows what experiences that you've had in the past. But he also knows what Jesus did and what he released into the earth. And he wants to make a connection from that to this so that you can receive from the power of God and experience health and healing. And so you got to get the crowd out of the way. You got to get over that because he wants, the enemy wants through a lack of knowledge to yoke you to that. And once you're yoked to that, it takes one powerful thing to destroy that yoke. It's called the anointing. Called the anointing. And so that power of God that's present is the anointing. And the anointing is always present, not just to make us feel good, but the anointing is present to destroy things that the enemy is trying to attach to us 
to keep us from fulfilling our divine destiny, to fulfilling everything that God has for us, to not have us laboring through to do that. We're so thankful for faithfulness and people who just continue on and, and believe God, and that's, that's part of the process. You know, people say, well, if I'm believing God, why isn't it happening? Listen, through faith and patience, you receive the promise. Thank God for an instantaneous thing that happens, and suddenly, but most suddenlies don't happen all by themselves. There is preparation for a suddenly, and we never know what that preparation is. Sometimes when somebody just declares, man, when you laid hands on me, I was healed. If we had the backstory, there was much in their life that came to that moment, and we just think, well, why did they get it instantly, and I didn't get it instantly? Well, there was things leading up to that. We've looked at those stories, that woman with the issue of blood, it looks like he touched, she touched the hem of his garment, and bam, it happened. But so much preceded her touching the hem of his garment. So much had gone before that she told Jesus about. So much had gone before. She suffered that issue of blood. For many years, she suffered many things of many physicians. She'd gone through a whole process, but when she heard about Jesus... She didn't just slough it off. She didn't just say, well, that's your religion, not my religion. When she heard about Jesus, something in her ears was open. And she didn't just hear about a man who was doing something. She heard about a healer that was healing. And somehow it struck her heart that if he's healing other people, he certainly will heal me. And so all the reports of the doctor, all the other crowd that was flooding her mind, she had to set aside. But not only that, it was illegal for her to go out into the crowd with her condition. So she had to overcome what might come when she stepped out. Then not only that, she was weak. She'd suffered many things of many physicians, but didn't get better. She grew worse, which means she was getting weaker and weaker. They had actually said, the doctor said, we can't do anything more for you. And so she got out in the midst of a crowd that they were shoulder to shoulder pressing, and she said, I'm going. So she didn't just have to get over all the reports of the doctors. She had to get, again, just like these guys, she had to get through the crowd of people with a determination that my place is to come in contact with him. Those four crazy friends that pulled the roof off, their goal was to get their friend before him. Everything we see, we talked about. Blind Bartimaeus screamed out for one reason, not to get the attention of everybody else, but to be able to stand before him. Our goal is not to get everybody else involved, but how do we get ourselves in a position that we know that we are standing right before him so that as we are we are very confident that not only is the power present but i have a great confidence that i am right there in the midst of that presence and it's there to heal me it's there to deliver me right i'll take my healing thank you because he didn't come and say i'm able he said i'm willing so we're going to just take a little bit of a journey here, a few moments to discover this because we can look in the Old Testament, but we live under New Testament realities and what Jesus did. So turn over to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. 
Starting in verse 1, he says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, he's speaking of Jesus here, through whom also he made the worlds. Come on, Jesus had part in everything. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person in upholding all things by the word of his power, when he himself had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Jesus was what? He was the very express image of God's person himself. So if we see a willingness in Jesus to heal, then it is God's will. Not only are they one, but we see that if Jesus was the very express image of God's person, if he paid the price and sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, saying it's done, it's paid for, and he sat down, then he has expressed God's will, made it known to us so that we can begin to walk in it. Turn over to John, the 14th chapter. John, the 14th chapter and the 8th verse. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Most of the time we're like, just show me something else that will be sufficient. But Jesus said this, he said, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And so when we begin to look at Jesus, we begin to see and walk through his life and understand his expression of life to others, his expression of healing to others. Then we can begin to track that back to what God's will is. And really, in truth, these healing uh, ministers of the past and their understanding was really this, that if you know the will of God, you can tap into that power that's present because you know that it's God's will to heal you. F.F. Bosworth, in his book, he made that same statement. He said, uh, uh, faith begins where the will of God is known. And if we can get away from all the hope so, think so, maybe so, maybe if I hold my tongue just right, maybe if I confess this instead of 150 times, 151 times might be the key. Why do we confess the word? So we can number the times that we do it? No, we're saying it out of our mouth so that we hear ourselves say it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more we hear ourselves confess it, the more it drops down on the inside of us. If we don't undo what we confess, right? If in our prayer time we're confessing what the word of God says about healing, but throughout the rest of the day we're talking about our sickness and our pain and our sorrow and all the things that go on, and then on Monday, uh, you know, in the morning we're back to confessing healing, we're undoing what we did. But if we can maintain that confession of who Jesus is, why? Because we're not quite there yet. And so we're hearing what others have to say. We're hearing the reading of the word, but we're saying it ourselves. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're speaking unto salvation. We're speaking unto healing. 
so that all of a sudden we hear ourselves say it one more time, and bam, it's like that light bulb goes on. There's one thing to say that I know it, but there's another thing to go, oh, wow, didn't that last confession make a difference? It became alive to me. And at that moment, it makes all the difference in the world. So we don't get tired. We don't get weary in well-doing and confessing the word. We don't start saying it isn't working. We just continue to say, I believe your word is truth and it's life that is forever settled in heaven. And we stay with it. So watch this. Turn over to Luke chapter 5. Jesus being this express image of God. says, and it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face, and he implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus put out his hand, and he said, you're right, I'm able, but I'm not sure if I want to. No, that's not what he said. Just seeing if you're all awake. Then he put out his hand and he touched him saying, I am willing to be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now listen, it wasn't just Jesus saying, I'm willing. Because he's the express image of the Father. It was God, the Father, saying, I'm willing. There was a religion again at the same time. There was a crowd in this leper's thinking because leprosy and, and the leper was cast off and he was pushed down and pushed away. And so people weren't supposed to talk to them. That They weren't willing to do something for them. So he came to Jesus and he said, I know that you have the power to do it. I just don't know if you want to. And years ago when I was reading this, it just settled for me. I, you know, Sometimes when you become a parent, things become apparent. <laughs> you understand how God is. So I thought, you know, if there was something very important and my children came to me and they said, Dad, I know you have the ability to do this thing for me, but I'm pretty sure you don't want to or I don't really know if you want to. Man, that would just break my heart. Like you can, but I don't think you want to. And that's what's going on here and goes on a lot of times is, God, I know that you're willing, but I don't know if you want to. If we understood the heart of God, I thought, my goodness, if it was important to their life, their health, their strength. You know, if I could have just so many times when they were suffering with something, if I could have just fixed it, I'd have done that. My situation is that I wasn't God. That I was, certainly they would come and say, I know you want to, but I don't know if you can, you know, but I know you want to. That's a big difference. Like they know and they trust you're for them, but you just can't. It's a reverse when you're like, I know you can, but I don't know if you want to. It's a sad idea that we come to God and go, I know you have the power to, I just don't know if you want to. Want to? God's got to be going, want to? Want to? What? I sent Jesus, my only son, to lay over that whipping post and be reduced 
to human hamburger. And by those stripes, you are healed. Want to. I'm not only able, but I'm willing. Be thou cleansed. But what does it tell us? It tells us something about ourselves. So many times, because we don't really know, based on experience, what other people have said, what they've done, based on our emotions, based on our trial, to say, I I tried that and it's not working for me right now, we begin to say, I know God. I would never say that you can't. I know you're all powerful. I just don't know if I'm not the one. But Jesus put this in his word, I believe, to clear this up. To say, listen, if I would heal one, I would heal all. If I would heal this leper, I will heal you. I am willing. So that might have been a different situation. All right, well, turn over to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew, the 8th chapter. Starting in the 5th verse, it says, Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Now listen, this just starts to talk to us about the willingness of God. So one, the, the, the leper came all by himself, and he said, uh, I don't know if you're willing to do this, but I know that you're able. He's just talking about personally. Now we have somebody coming. First of all, the centurion really wasn't supposed to be coming to Jesus, just based on the culture of the day. He was a Roman. Jesus was a Jew, right? And so you read different translations here. Uh, Matthew leads us to believe the centurion came, but when his servant came, Luke says his servant came, it's the same representation. And so here we have somebody who could say, I'm not even supposed to talk to you, but I know who you are. And I have a servant that I love at home that's tormented. And I've heard you've been going about healing a lot of people. So I'm just here asking if you'll do this. Now listen to what Jesus said. Because really, culturally, Jesus would have said, "Um, I can't do this. He said, my servant is lying dreadfully tormented. Verse 7, it says, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. He didn't say, now, wait a minute, let's figure this out. You're a Roman, not a Jew. You're not supposed to be talking to me in the first place. And yet, you want me to come? No, Jesus didn't do any of that. Sometimes we're thinking, you know, am I worthy? Am I supposed to come? Am I not supposed to come? Am I saying this the right way or not? Am I kneeling right? Am I standing right? Am I raising my hands right? Am I not raising my hands right? Again, it's just simply in heart being able to come before him. And he said, I'll come and heal him. And the the centurion said, well, you don't have to come to my house. Because I've heard about you and I understand chain of command. And you apparently have authority over sickness and disease. So you just speak the word. Somebody say, speak the word. Come on, say it with some enthusiasm. Speak the word. He said, you just speak the word and my servant will be made whole. Jesus spoke the word and it says that very same hour, the centurion went and found that very same hour, his servant was made well. And Jesus looked at everybody around him and said, boys, did you hear that? Well, they're all watching. His disciples are watching to see how he's going to respond. I believe they they were sitting around to see how Jesus was going to respond to this centurion asking him to come. And and they're waiting to see, is he going to say yes? Is he going to say no? 
Jesus has this all the time. That Syrophoenician woman wasn't even supposed to be there, and they're trying to get rid of her, and they're like, man, we don't want this woman around. Jesus, what are we going to do? And Jesus approached her fairly roughly, and she said, listen, man, I know that you're the one, and I'll hang around to get a crumb. But they're always watching to see what Jesus is doing. What's he going to do? And he doesn't turn around and say, what's this Roman? What do you think this Roman is asking me? He turned around and said, did you hear that? And I'm sure they were like, hear what? did you hear what that guy just said? Jesus has his jaw down here. It says he marveled. He said, did you hear that? He said, hear what? Hear that faith. Did you hear the faith in that man's expression? I'm sure the disciples were like, what are you talking about? He just said, I'm a Roman soldier, and if my boss tells me what to do, it goes down the line and it gets done. Jesus is like, man, I've not found that much faith in you. Come on, they were Israelites. Jesus cared about them. He wasn't being mean, but he said, listen, I haven't found that much faith in you as I just found in somebody who doesn't really know what we know, what you're seeing, but he saw and he knew the chain of command and he put faith out there to say, just speak the word and my servant will be made well. So Jesus just twice said, I will. It's my will. I'll come. I'll heal you. He did it for one, he'll do it for all. He's not telling you no. Wait till you say it enough times. Wait till you get in the right position. The only position that you need to be in is understanding whatever is keeping me from being right there before him is what I need to get out of the way. Whether it's the crowd in my emotions, whether it's the crowd in my mind, whether it's the doubt because of past experience, I just need to deal with that with me by the Holy Spirit with him. Because if I can get in the position of these people right here, I'm going to tap into that healing power that's so vitally available. Turn over to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I've got two scriptures, then we'll go home. Well, two scriptures and then some commentary, you know. Verse 2, <laughs> now there is, just want to be totally honest. Um, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda. Having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water was made well, uh, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps in before me. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Come on now. You say, well, you know what? What if things aren't just going right? 
Jesus said, this man isn't reaching out. He wasn't calling for it. You know, he, he didn't come out and touch the hem of his garment. He wasn't like blind Bartimaeus saying, Lord, have mercy on me. He wasn't the centurion. Jesus just came upon this guy. But there's something important to understand about this. He came upon this guy, and he asked him a question. A pointed question. Sometimes, if we're not careful, God is asking us a question, a simple question. Do you want to be healed or not? Now, I've just had the experience of being in some healing meetings and listening, you know, when, when people's mics are on. I think for this reason, this is why they started having people's mics turned off. But, you know, they'll be in a healing meeting and they'll have a healing line here. And really, the idea is they came up for healing. And I've heard so many ministers ask almost this question. They'll come in and say, what can I do for you? And they'll explain their healing and say, are you ready to be healed? And they'll, then they'll start to say, well, I've been in a ton of meetings. I've been with a lot of people, and I've been in a lot of things. That wasn't the question, how many meetings you've been in. It, the question wasn't how many hands have been laid on you over a period of time. That's not the question. Jesus simply said, do you want to be healed? And the man never answered the question. He gave excuses as to why he was not yet healed instead of. Now, listen, we have a great story here. I'm not trying to diminish the story, but I'm trying to help us. I'm trying to show you the mercy and the willingness of Jesus. This guy didn't just think what would have happened if he would have said, yes. (laughs) Do you want to be healed? Yes. (laughs) But man, Jesus just looked at him and said, you've been in this condition a long time. And your condition has taken a toll on you. Come on, that man's condition had taken a toll on him. He had lost all faith simply because of his condition. And Jesus said, listen, I'm not going to allow this anymore, that your condition is going to determine to you whether you even answer that you want to be healed or not. Take up your bed and walk. God doesn't want your condition to determine your response to him. He wants you to know him, trust him, believe him. Because he, in his presence, brings the anointing and the power to heal us. Last one, Luke chapter 13. This is one of my favorites simply because of the way that Jesus expresses himself. So now he was teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath. Here we go again. Verse 11, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Come on, for 18 years, she had just been bent over. She couldn't even look up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And you would have thought everybody would praise God and go, Whoa, a miracle done in our midst. But, and he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. Come on, there's people around you that won't be happy. Because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. It wasn't the way they thought. It's not the way you should be. But listen, you just got to give your heart to Jesus. 
And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath. Now listen, we have a crowd again. How often do we have a crowd? And now this person who is in indignation appeals to the crowd. How often does something go on in your mind and start appealing to the crowd in your emotions in your mind? I'm going to get healed. And all of a sudden, something comes up and goes, how can you even think that? And it starts appealing to the experience or the thoughts or the doubt that's going on to convince you otherwise. Come on, don't let that happen. God doesn't want that to happen. Verse 15, the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, is not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away? water so ought not this woman being a daughter of abraham whom satan has bound come on he clears up right now god didn't do this to her it wasn't god's will that she run around bowed over for 18 years well maybe that's god's will he cleared it up right there god didn't do this the devil did this to her i'm not this woman whom satan is bound think of it i mean he's just he's now jesus is appealing to the crowd Come on, wake up, folks. Think of it. This woman has been looking at the ground for 18 years. Y'all are walking around looking at the sunshine, looking at the trees, looking at each other, and she's been bowed down for 18 years looking at the ground. Just think about it for a moment, and you're upset that she can now see what you see. Snap out of it. (laughs) I know, Jesus would never say it with that intensity. Jesus went, now... Thus saith the Lordeth. Just think about it for a minute. 18 years. I don't think he did that. Because, I mean, the, the, the emotion was getting heightened in the room. I just like to use that. You know, Jesus is like, he's teaching. It's the Sabbath. And he notices this woman. He says, come up here for a minute, would you? Here's a word of knowledge. He basically has a healing line of one person. He's teaching. He says, Calls her out word enough. Come up here just a moment. And she comes up there just like somebody helps her. He says, Woo, man, you've been in this condition for a long time, haven't you? Praise the Lord. He laid his hands on her. And right away she stood up. And she went, Glory to God. Wow. Doesn't that feel good? And he said, You know, like Joe Morris, bless you. Drive home safe. Don't you love the way he does that? It's like all intense. He'll command that healing and go, nice to see you. Drive safe. Um, but while all this is going on, she's like, glory to God, I can stand up straight. That head of the meeting is just going, oh, who does he think he is to disrupt this meeting on the Sabbath? And so he got mad. He goes, listen, people, what does he think he's doing? And Jesus just said, just a minute. I got something to say. Y'all go out and loose your donkey. On the Sabbath day. And you're looking at this woman and you're mad at me for loosing her? She's a daughter of Abraham, just like your sons and daughters of Abraham. She actually has a right, a covenant right. Your donkey has no covenant right to be loosed. It's just your idea that you'll lose some money if your donkey doesn't get water. God says she is a covenant child. 
Listen, when you've entered into a covenant with Jesus, you have a right and a privilege to not be bent over, but to be made straight. Come on, to be made straight. And listen, he just appealed to them and said she needed to be loosed. And when he said these things, all of his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. All of a sudden, they got people questioning, and Jesus said, and we're going to cure up the question. And his adversaries put their head down and said, man, we should have been paying more attention to the woman than our indignation. So they were ashamed, but everybody else started to have a praise session, glorifying God that she was totally free. Amen. We saw a couple cases here where Jesus said, I don't want this to go on any longer. If you've been dealing with it for a long time, I want you to be free. Amen. Why don't you stand up?